Thanks for listening to the Life Church Boise weekly podcast. We hope you enjoyed this message from Pastor Mark Bohr. For any other messages or other resources, please visit us at lcboise.com. Everybody ready today? Ready for bonus? Praise God, they made another part. (laughs) And so did we. Thank you, Lord. If you brought your Bibles with you today or your Bible apps, open with me to Luke chapter 12. We are going into one more part of this series. If you're new with us, you don't know what we're talking about. We've been in this series for the last few weeks called Born for This. And uh, this is part four, which is an extra bonus episode. All right. And we want to talk to you about ultimatum. How many realize or have come to realize at least that God has a purpose for your life? That you were born for a reason. Truly, though, if we were to uh, identify this specifically, certainly our natural birth was foreseen and ordained of God. But then also there's our spiritual birth or being born again. We talked in the first part of this series about our identity. And how many know we're not just talking about our identity in the natural. We're talking about our born again identity. Who we are in Christ. Because once you you come into a relationship with God, the scripture says that you are a new creation. Old things have passed away and all things have become new. And so if you don't know what died and what came alive, what came into being, then you will have a difficult time living this new life. And so we need to be aware of, we need to be acquainted with and educated in the realities of new life in Christ and who we are, what we have, what He's called us to do. And today I want to talk to you about ultimatum. All right, that's a serious word, isn't it? It means a final demand whose fulfillment is requested in a specified period of time and which is backed up by a threat to be followed through in case of non-compliance. Isn't that awesome? It's a great definition. Did y'all write that down? All right. Ultimate. I'm not talking today about us making demands on each other, you know, with threats of punishment, but rather I want us to see the absolute nature of God. All right, there will be a final reckoning of all things done in the body. Yeah, there is a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. All right, the absence of that knowledge and that understanding basically removes all urgency for so many things that we talk about and do. But their existence changes everything. And we should be aware of both the reward and the consequence that awaits individuals at the end of life. Okay? And this is not a downer message, by the way. Because you're either a believer or you have the opportunity to be one. Amen. And I'm not saying this is all just about, it's not just all an evangelistic message either, or just speaking to those who are outside of a relationship with God. If that is you, we love you, and I'm going to shoot you straight. But also for believers, we need to understand the, 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 the ultimatum aspect that God does say things, and they just are. 
Okay, And there will be this final accounting of all things. We do not have unlimited time in life. Your life has a limited amount of time. You, you, you can't just put things off and put them off and put them off and put them off and put them off as if there is no end. After, as if there is no responsibility to be wise with our time and resources. We should be aware that a wise person will be. Let's read the words of Jesus. Luke chapter 12. Notice with me over here, verse 16. Then he spoke a parable to them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man yielded plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do, since I have no room to store my crops? So he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build greater. And there I will store my crops and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Then whose will those things be which you have provided? So is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. You see the language here. The Lord said this guy is a, is a fool. Well, well why? Well, what's his focus? Apparently he feels like he has many years to do whatever he wants to do. His thought concerning his own life, and it doesn't give us his age. I don't know, but he... he felt like he had a lot of time to get to whatever he wanted to do. He should kick back, take his ease, no deal. But he did not know that his, he was in his last day when he's saying that. I got plenty of time. I'm going to take my ease. And the Lord said, you're a fool. You're leaving tonight. Wow. I mean, that's a serious consideration, isn't it? And I know, in the, generally speaking, in the world... People do not have guarantees beyond today. As believers, of course, we should expect God to sustain us and take care of us and provide for us, and we can expect to live a long life. The Scriptures give us direction and wisdom and how to do that. I can expect to live a long life. But, but still, with that knowledge, I ought not be wasting time. I ought not be spending it unwisely and just kicking back. This guy, again, didn't know that his time was up. But yet it was. Yet he didn't have any more time. What we do with our time here now uh, determines what we can take with us when we die. And I think we ought to be storing up. I think we ought to be prepping. I think we ought to be preppers. But I'm not, talking, I'm not talking about natural things. I'm talking about spiritual things. This is what this gentleman lacked. He didn't lack an ability to be successful in life and make money and have, you know, build a natural uh, wealth. He didn't lack any skills there. But what he did lack was focus on what really mattered. And, and, and the Lord said, you need to be rich towards God. You lack riches towards God. What might you lack? What might I lack in life? Amen. And, and, so, and so we should be preparing. You know, remember Jesus talked about storing up treasure in heaven. He said, down here, it gets eaten up. 
It gets corrupted, but you store up there, and it lasts forever. And if we don't have an awareness of this, then we're going to do the wrong thing. Yeah. Amen. If your spiritual life could be measured in dollars, how much are you worth? If you could translate that into U.S. currency, how much, is you, how much are you worth? And I think it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a tragedy when people who have the potential to be wealthy in God are just very small-minded. They're very limited. They're, 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 they're living in spiritual poverty. And Jesus warned against this type of attitude, against this type of mindset. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 16 reads, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Let it dwell in you. How? Put that up on the screen as we go, please. Let it dwell in you richly in all wisdom. Richly. So you could have the word of Christ in you in in a poor way. You could be poverty stricken in that regard, or you can have a rich supply of the word of Christ in your life. Where are you? Where do you stand? What's your supply? Amen. Now, uh, we, re- we should recognize the difference. A person could own 10 houses and five boats and have three airplanes. And uh, nothing wrong with houses, boats, and airplanes. Huh? But how many know they could still be poor towards God? And really, the true accounting of that person's life would not be, wow, they were wealthy. No, the true accounting would be they're poor. Amen. Have you ever read through the Old Testament and, and you get a, a, a bird's eye view sometimes of the history of Israel and it'll talk about how the nation was going the wrong way and then, then God raised someone up to help bring them back and they're going the right direction and you can cover many, many years of time in a very short amount of words, but you get heaven's perspective on what was happening in the earth. I really... I'm desirous to read heaven's perspective of our time. Because we think we see things through the media and we know what's happening and we know the condition of everything. I don't think we always have a right judgment and a right perspective. I would like to see heaven's accounting of our times. And I guess I want to see heaven's, I guess, (laughs) heaven's accounting of my life. You know what I'm talking about? I don't want to view it incorrectly. I don't want to think, I'm, I'm well, I'm full, I've received all, I abound, I'm doing great, and yet heaven's perspective be, no, you're so focused on natural things and on the world that you're really depleted spiritually, huh? Because uh, I, I want to know where I stand so I can have my attention and focus on the right thing. I don't want to be like this dude who built up all this stuff but was not rich toward God. One of the, talking about time, talking about how God views time. This guy thought he had many years to come, plenty of time. I like to think about time. How does the Lord relate to that in our lives? Over in in the book of Revelation, when uh, Jesus was speaking, giving messages through John to the the churches in Asia Minor there, um, 
and he had good things to say, and he had some corrective things to say to each of those churches. And in one of them, there, it's in Revelation chapter 2, uh, he warned them and was correcting them about this woman named Jezebel. I don't know if that was, that's, was her real name or that's figurative to the Old Testament, you know, Ahab's wife, or, but she was a bad woman. And uh, she was doing wrong things and leading people astray. And he gave a word concerning her. And I think this, this stands out. This is interesting. Revelation 2.21. The Lord Jesus said, And I gave her time to repent of her sexual immorality, and she did not repent. Now think about, think about how the Lord works with individuals. He gave her time. He gave her time. Unlimited time? No, limited time. But he did give her time. The Lord is gracious. He's merciful. He gives us time to straighten things out. He gives us time to get things on the right track. But he doesn't give us unlimited time. You don't have all the time in the world. And I got plenty of time. I'm young. I'm healthy. I can do whatever I... Well, the other guy thought that and he died that day. And we need to have an eternal perspective and recognize that what we do right now is, one, it matters forever, but two, right now is the time the Lord has given us. Right now. When does that time end? I don't know. But the Lord gave her time, or another translation says space, to repent. She didn't use her time wisely. And she didn't do it. And she reaped the repercussions of it. And so did those who were following her. And it didn't turn out well for them. But the Lord tried to get to to her and to them to help them out. This is the Lord's mercy. Amen. Now here's one of the areas we can sometimes be deceived in. And that is when our, our manner of life, our conduct, our behavior is not consistent with the character and nature of God. And we're going, I mean, that's just the nice way to say sin, by the way. (laughs) I didn't want to use that word, a three-letter word. (laughs) But when our lives are going that direction, and we view our own selves as, hey, everything's okay. I know I'm doing these things. I know I'm going this direction. And Yeah, I know that's not right, but everything's still fine. Maybe God's okay with it. And we start to process and justify, and we take sin, what is very anti-God, anti-His love, anti-His character, His ways, and we lower down the severity of it. And we think, well, maybe it's not that big a deal. I mean, since I've been living this way, I've been doing these things, and... Everything seems to be fine. I mean, it's still okay, and I still have a relationship with God. Maybe it's like no big deal. Or maybe you are in your space, that time to change. Maybe God in His mercy is extending towards you uh, His grace, His ability, giving you opportunity to turn things around before it bites you. I think we ought to consider this because many have gone, they've walked down a path 
And they thought, hey, everything's still fine. Everything's good. My life is still okay. And they're going the wrong way. They know they are, but they start to justify it and become self-deceived. And before they realize it, it's too late. And that thing eats their lunch. And we should recognize that sin is designed to do that. I say it's designed. I don't know who designed it. Satan's the author of it, I guess. Uh, But that's what's built into it. All right? It's built in to sin to eat your lunch. In other words, death is in there. You, You remember when Jesus made the statement, those who are forgiven much love much. Why are those who are forgiven much, why do they love much? I'll tell you, because they are aware of, they have, a, a, they have an, a, an understanding of how wrong they were. Therefore, the fact that they are forgiven, they recognize that was a lot of grace extended towards me. That was a whole bunch of love extended toward me because I was a rascal And God wiped my slate clean. Now I'm in love with him. I am just so thankful. My heart is so full. You see how that works? Some of you can totally relate to that. I want us all to relate to that. Because those of us who love little, here's the problem. We might think we've been forgiven little. But if you've broken one commandment, you've broken the whole law, is what the Scripture said. In other words, what we tend to think sometimes as not a big deal, this is not a problem, it really is much much bigger deal than we realize. It put Jesus on the cross. It took His great suffering and sacrifice so we could be redeemed from it. And I tell you, if we are just forgiven of a little white lie or whatever color code we like to put on them, uh, that, it, that still took Jesus on the cross. huh? And when I'm aware of that, this is a very severe thing. I want to keep dark, dark, and light, light. I want to keep sin, evil, and heinous. I want to keep it a a horrible thing. And I want to keep God's goodness amazing and and, and wonderful and most desirable. He's all that I want. He's all that I need. I want to keep them really separated. So I want to point to wrong and say, very bad. Bad very bad. And God as good, very good, full of life, and keep them distant. And know that I've been redeemed from darkness. I've been set free from sin, a horrible sin. Say, well, I never killed anybody. Stop judging sin as, as, as being less of a big deal because of, uh, because of how society sees it. We're talking against the ways of God so we've got to keep it all in the in the bad camp why now I've been redeemed now I have a natural response in me to love God with great fervency amen to love him deeply and to follow him in that numbers 32 23 reads and be sure your sin will find you out you see God is long suffering but he's not forever suffering Amen. We have space. We have time. We don't have forever. There is a time to do business with God, and there will be an ultimate reconciling. There will be an ultimate accounting of our lives and what we've done and what we do. 
Let me read to you, and I'll put this on the screen for you, a description of this from James chapter 1. Okay? And this describes how the process works. It reads in verse 14, But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. So first, what happens first? There's a desire in you. You're drawn away by it, and that's called temptation. All right? Then, okay, (laughs) then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, brings death. Now, that's what we want to avoid, right? A lot of times people are comfortable living with any part in that, but the death, mm, I don't really like that. And death will work in a person's life incrementally or all at once. Sometimes it just kills you dead. Uh, But sometimes it kills your vision. Sometimes it kills your dreams. Sometimes it kills your marriage. Sometimes it kills your relationships or your health or your finances. Death can be a very uh, undesirable thing in any area. But this is how sin works. It starts with this desire, this being drawn away when it's conceived. And it shows you the process. What our job is in the middle of this is to recognize it so we can interrupt it. We need to interrupt that process before it produces death. Okay? Everybody see how that works? There's your space. There's your time. There's the Lord's mercy. He's helping us all along the way. Why are we saying this today? Well, maybe, it, maybe it, the Lord's trying to help you. Maybe there's some things going on and He's trying to save you from it. Because how many know the Lord washes us clean through, his, through the precious blood of Jesus... But there's our responsibility to receive that and to to walk this out. This verse is written to Christians. If you're a Christian, if you're a believer in here, this language is for you and for me. James writes to the brethren. That includes the sistren, right? It's to the body of Christ. And he says, this is how sin wants to clean your clock. And this is how it works. But you've got time. You've got space. But I don't know how much, so I should deal with it as soon as I know better, and not yield to it, and not let that process continue to work in me until, uh, until I experience the death that it was designed to produce. Many places in the Scripture, we are instructed to be prepared or to be ready for what's coming. Ready. Everybody say Ready. We're to be ready for what's coming. People suffer the most when they're not ready. When something happens to them and they are unprepared. When a person is rich towards God, that's most certainly a way to be prepared. If they are poor towards God, they are unprepared for a whole boatload of things that could come about in life in this world or in their own life. We are supposed to live ready. Let me, get, let me give you an example of some of the things the Scriptures talk about in, in being ready. Paul said, I am ready to die for the Lord. All right, A lot of Christians will say that, I'm ready to die for the Lord. But they're not, they're not even ready to go to church if it rains. <laughs> but I'm going to die for Jesus. Uh, scripture says we should be ready... To preach the gospel. Do you have the good news inside of you? Ready to share it at any time. You should be ready. That's a constant state of existence. State of living. 
ready to share it, ready to preach. Uh, We should be of a ready mind. I'm ready right here. Uh, Scripture tells us to be ready to give, ready to give. Also to be ready for every good work. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to do it. Let me side note on this for a moment. You see, this is one of the reasons God wants you to do well and to be prosperous and to be successful because when you are not just fighting to survive, you can be ready to be used of Him at any time. See, that's, that's part of the motive. It's part of the reason. He wants you and I to be free. Free to do what? To be used of Him at any given, without it, at any given time. We're free to act. Free to move. All right? So ready for every good work. We're, we're, we're told to be ready to give a defense. A defense for, what, for the hope that, that, that lies in us. We're told uh, that, that, that the church, at the end of the book of Revelation, is ready to be ready. The, the bride, Scripture says, the bride has made herself ready for the marriage uh, supper of the Lamb, and, and that's ready for the Lord. We've made ourselves ready. So that's a good question. Are you ready? You ready? You ready? You ready to go? You ready for what? Well, you're not ready unless you've got the right stuff inside of you. Yeah. A ready state. You know, if you were in construction and you showed up at the job with no supplies and you're going to build a building, build a house, and, uh, and you, go, you show up to the side and you think, hmm, we're going to need some wood, I think. So you run down to the lumber store and get some two-by-fours and stuff. Then you bring it back and you come back and think, hmm, you got your crew there and, you know, we're going to need some other part. We're going to need some nails too. So you run and go get some nails. And you come back and, and they start listening, well, we're going to need this too. And so you run and get that. How many know you're going to be building that house for a long time? Why? Because you're not ready. You're not prepared for it. It's going to be, a, it's going to be much more difficult than it should have been because you didn't prepare. But when you're ready, and you can go to the store and say, I know we're going to need these things. There might be some things along, along, the, line, along the road in this job that I get caught off guard with, but I know for certain we're going to need this stuff. Then you go, you get supplied, and you're ready to go. In life, it works that way. Someone said, I don't know what I want, everything I'm going to need. I don't know everything that's going to happen in my future. I don't know either, but I do know some basics. I know I'm going to need certain things. And if I will let the Word of Christ dwell in me richly, and if I will have my relationship with God to the point where I am full of Him, and I'm doing the necessary steps, whatever He leads me to do, I'm going to be ready for almost everything. And if there's something that comes up I'm not ready for, I believe the Lord will help me and get it to me. It'll, it'll be fine. But the problem is when people are living on empty. I mean, their, their red line, their red deal on their gas tank, it's on W. You know, way down there by walk. <laughs> and, and they live their lives that way. And they're just right on the edge of disaster constantly. That's not how we're supposed to live. We're supposed to live ready, prepared. Amen. 
Now, again, let me, let, 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 let me say this. There's an accounting coming. We're going to give a, an account for our lives. I'm talking the believer and the unbeliever. And, and many know this, that the scriptures say this. I'm well aware of this, whether you are or not. Those who preach and teach the word are going to have a more strict judgment. All right. How many, how many of you think, yeah, that's a good verse. Pastors and preachers, they need to keep their act together and say the right thing. You think that's true? <laughs> that is true. That's a big deal. But that's also true for, the, for all of us, depending on what God has us doing. He's just saying, if you're speaking into other people's lives, uh, that's a bigger deal. Because you better get it right, man. You better say the right things. And, uh, but for all of us, we're going to have this and, and give account to God. Yeah. Look with me at Matthew chapter 25. I'm trying to get a, a, a lot in here because I believe it'll be helpful when you'll see this and see it from the Lord's perspective. This is not a negative message. Hopefully no one takes it that way. Man, here comes judgment. Uh, listen, this, we need to know how God thinks. Do we need to know about the promises of God and His blessings? All day long. Do we also need to know that there is a final accounting taking place for all of our lives? We need to know this. Yeah, it'll change the way you live when, you, when you're aware of it. It'll help you make decisions that are good decisions. Matthew 25, verse 1. Then the, then the kingdom of heaven shall be likened to ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Now five of them were wise and five were foolish. Uh, those who were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. But while the bridegroom was delayed, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight a cry was heard. And behold, the bridegroom... A cry was heard, Behold, the bridegroom is coming. Go out and meet him. Then all those virgins came and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, No, lest there should not be enough for us and you. But go rather to those who sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came. And those who were ready went in with him to the wedding, and the door was shut. Afterward, the other virgins came also and said, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Assuredly, I say to you, I do not know you. And so again, we have wise, and we have the fools, and the wise were ready, the Scripture says. They prepared. They had a little foresight. They said, we're going to need this. And they prepared. The fools were just going through life, footloose and fancy free and, and just having a good time. Not preparing, not realizing there's something coming. And they weren't ready. Are you ready? That sounds heavy, huh? Look at 1 Corinthians 3. Let's finish over there. There is coming... A time in all of our future. Every single one of us. Something's coming up. We're getting ready for it now. It's kind of one of the next things. Uh, for all the believers now, if you're, if you're saved, you've been born again, you are coming, you have an appointment with the Lord at, at what is referred to in the Scripture as the judgment seat of Christ. 
If you are an unbeliever and uh, you have not yet been saved, you've rejected the Lord, you have an appointment at something called the Great White Throne. All right, that's not going to be fun, by the way. Just giving you a heads up, bad day. Okay, but you don't have to go there. I'm just saying, I'm just, you don't want to. Not going to be pretty. But that is going to happen. But if you're a believer, you have an appointment. You don't have to go to the other one. But you do stand before what's called the judgment seat of Christ. All right? And this one is not about whether you're going to heaven or hell. Because it's in heaven. All right, you're already there. You're good to go. But we are going to stand before the Lord. And we're going to give an account for what? For what we do. For what we've done in the body. All right? It's not about whether you have eternal life, whether your sins are forgiven. It's about what you do. Are you ready for this? See, even for the believer, say, well, my sins are forgiven. What's the, what's the problem here? I, I, I'm in Christ. Not a problem. This is just going to happen. Okay? The Lord's not going to beat you up over the head. No. He's going to welcome you with loving arms. But this still, is still going to happen. This is part of the process. He could have left it out, I guess. But that's not who he is. He still wants us to have a mindset, not only that we are in Christ, forgiven, blessed, have a relationship with Him forever, but that also what we do matters to Him. If all we talk about is our position in Christ, we might get the idea that what we do doesn't matter. And you can see over and over and over and over and over again in Scripture that what we do does matter. And here's kind of what this looks like in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 12. It reads, now, if anyone builds on this foundation, the foundation is Jesus, with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become clear for the day will declare it. So there's going to be a a declaration of what all of us did. This is kind of, I don't know, unnerving a little bit, but everything you do is being written down. Now, if you're forgiven of it, it's washed away, right? That's why 1 John 1, 9 says to the Christian, confess your sins. And he's faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. It's not talking about salvation there. You don't tell, how I many know you don't tell an unbeliever to confess their sins? The non-believer, you tell them to confess Jesus as Lord. To the believer, you say, deal with your, take responsibility for your behavior. Confess it before our God and it's washed away. But, the, but, the, but here, here's what's happening is these things are likened unto gold, silver, and precious stones, or wood, hay, and straw. He says, each one's work, verse 13 again, each one's work will become clear for the day will declare it because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work which he has built on it endures, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved yet so as through fire. And so what's coming up in all of our future is we are going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ and apparently some kind of fire comes by. I don't know if that's literal, if we'll see it, what that looks like, but this is how it's described. A fire comes by and basically burns up anything that we've done in our lives that was not of God. It was not of faith. It was not for His glory. It was not, it was not considered a precious jewel. But every, everything that was not of Him gets burned up. So we're not being punished for it, but we're not being rewarded either. And I don't want to stand, you know, I'm using this figuratively, but naked at the, at, the, uh, at the judgment seat of Christ. Some people have heard that before and thought, he said we're going to be naked in there. I don't mean literally. <laughs> it 
In other words, I don't want to have, I'm saved, but there's nothing else to me. I've never done anything of value. I've never contributed to eternity. I've never lived by faith. I've never had my prayers answered. I've never, been, I've never done anything that the Lord says, this is of eternal worth, and you're going to get an eternal reward for it. Is everyone going to be the same in heaven? It seems like the Lord's consistent with the way he is now, and that answer is no. We're all in the same heaven, all in the same place, all have the same relationship with God, but rewards are not the same. It sure appears that some will be loaded up, rewarded, and what they've done will stand, and it will shine bright in the kingdom of God. And others, they'll be saying, thankful that I'm here. <laughs> huh? And, we, and, and listen, we'll all be thankful that we're there, but some, that'll be all it is. So us knowing that this is and that this is coming and that the Lord tells us about it ahead of time, he wants, he wants us to have this mindset so we can be stacked up with eternal reward. Amen. And so we consider our own lives and our own preparedness and our own readiness, our own, our, our own uh, you know, standard of wealth spiritually, our richness or lack thereof towards God. And so consider, because this is part of the many things that the Lord reveals to us in Scripture that for all people, both believer and unbeliever, there is a final accounting. There is an ultimate uh, identifying of our lives and what they were made up with and what we did with what God put in our, in our charge. I want to be faithful. I haven't always been faithful, but thank God it's washed away. Sins are forgiven. We acknowledge, but I want to be faithful. You want to be faithful. I want to be one uh, who does right with what God has, has given me in my life. I want to recognize that what I've been forgiven of was a big deal really was even if maybe it wasn't as bad by our standards as someone else but it was a big deal and Jesus paid the ultimate price so I could have life and if I'll see that for what it is then I'll be in love with him more every day every single day thank you for your forgiveness thank you for your love and for your grace and uh, and I tell you that's a motivator for me that's a, that, that's something that stirs me up amen thank you Lord Let's pray today. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you for what you're doing in us. Thank you for the work of God in us today. You're drawing us near, drawing us close, and we're seeing and knowing and recognizing eternity, the ultimate plan that you have for us. And Father, I do pray and ask that eyes would be opened today. May we see things your way, the way they really are, the way they're supposed to be, so that we can, uh, glory to God, be used of you mightily in in these last days, that we can be prepared not only for tomorrow, for this week, for the rest of our lives here on the earth, but be ready even for the judgment seat of Christ. Be ready for the millennial reign so we can be used of you for eternity in the middle of your plan. Thank you for showing us. Ah, It's nice to know it up front. Lord, you're so good to us. For those you, Lord, you've given us space, you've given us time to repent, 
turn from wickedness and unrighteousness. Thank you for giving us time. Move on the hearts of anyone. I don't know where people stand, Lord, but you do. So they can turn and come and get right. Get things right with you. Thank you for helping them today. We give you the glory. We give you the praise. Holy Spirit, you move across this place. You confirm. You work. Confirm the word with signs following. There's a demonstration of your love and power all through this place now. I thank you for it. In Jesus' name, we give you all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise. We hope you enjoyed this message. Find our other messages on iTunes or visit our website at lcboise.com and follow us on social media, Life Church Boise. Thank you and have a blessed day.